Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. God is omniscient. He knows all things. And compared to you and me, human beings, we know virtually nothing compared to Him. But when it comes to that all-important message of the gospel, we can understand it properly. And why is that? Because God, in His Word, He gives us a perfect revelation of God's plan for salvation. And another way that we can think of salvation is eternal redemption. And that concept of redemption involves a transfer where we become God's purchased possession for all of eternity. And the payment for that redemption is the very blood of his son. Now, why the gospel? Well, that's exactly what we're going to see and learn about in this week's study. So take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Romans and chapter 5. The book of Romans and chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 12. And in these few verses that we're going to read together in this study, we can understand the gospel, why God did what he did and how that is going to affect us for all of eternity if we receive it by faith. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. We read here, On account of this, just as by one man's sin into the world entered, and through sin, death. Now, the first thing we see is that there is a relationship. And this relationship is taught throughout the Bible. And that is that there is an inherent connection between sin and death. The reason why death is, you see, God didn't want man to ever experience death and the consequences that were brought into this world because of sin. This was not God's will. He did not plan for sin, but God knowing all things, nothing surprises him. He knew that man being given free will would choose incorrectly would misappropriate that freedom to choose in the wrong way. So it didn't surprise God, and God had a solution, and praise him for it. And that solution, which is the only solution, is the gospel. So we see that because of one man, and we're going to learn, it's not an interpretation, it's going to tell us specifically in a moment, because of one man's sin, that is Adam we find that death entered into this world. Look again at verse 12. On account of this, just as by one man sin into the world entered, and through sin death, and thus 
for all men death pass upon whom all sinned. So what he's saying here is this. We can prove something. We can prove what is being revealed here by one thing. And that is one man's sin. And that sin brought about death. We know that everyone dies. And secondly, that is confirmed by the fact that we all are sinners. So we can see now, and we'll see why we can perceive this in a moment. But we all know that we are sinners. And that fact communicates to us the reality, the truth of this passage. Move on now to verse 13. For unto law. Now, obviously, we're talking about a specific law. The law we're referring to is the law of Moses. And again, this is going to be substantiated in a moment. Once more, for unto law sin was in the world, meaning this. Up unto the giving of the law, the law of Moses, there was sin in this world. So the law did not bring about sin, meaning the law is not a cause of sin. The law simply reveals it and clarifies to us what is sin, but sin, as it says here, up until the law, meaning up until the giving of the law, sin was in the world. But he says sin was not charged. Why? Because the law being not, the law was not given. Now, when it says was not charged, what it means is this. It was not acknowledged by human beings as sin. They did what was right in their own eyes, even though they also, all humanity, had a conscience. That conscience, it was overruled by the desires of the flesh. We rejected humanity, rejected that, denied the, the message of the conscience, what it was teaching us inwardly. And what happens? Well, we know. If you look at Genesis chapter 6, we see that the world was full of sin. And sin ultimately will bring about judgment. But here's the good news. There can be two different expressions of judgment. And we'll talk about that in a moment once more. Look again at verse, verse 13. For up unto a law, sin was in the world, but sin was not reckoned or imputed. Why? Not being a law. Verse 14. But death ruled from Adam. Why do we have Adam? Because he's that one, that first one, that sin entered into the world by, and by sin also death. So we read, But death reigned from Adam unto Moses, and upon the ones who sinned, but they did not sin in the likeness of the sin of Adam. So even though they did not sin in that same way that Adam did, we all were affected by it. And sin entered into the world through Adam's first sin, and the effects of that was manifested both by death and sinfulness, as we said. Genesis 6, God looked at humanity and grieved that they were made. Human beings existed because the scripture says every thought, 
and every inclination of his heart was evil, always evil, continuously. And that fact brought about judgment. What judgment? Well, obviously, we're talking about the floodwaters, that wrath of God that destroyed this world, but God being gracious, him being merciful, we see that there were eight individuals that were saved by faith because they responded to the word of God and entered into that ark. But for our study, we see that the death ruled from Adam unto Moses upon even those who did not sin in the same way in the likeness of Adam. And then we find and look at the end of verse 14, very important conclusion. Who is the example or the pattern of the one coming? Now, it doesn't say he who is coming, although that's true, but it literally says the one and the definite article, the word the, appears. And this is for the purpose of emphasis. Oftentimes, that definite article, simply the word the, is used in order to emphasize that there is one, meaning only one, that is coming who's going to accomplish something. Now, realize, the scripture says, by one man, only one man, Adam, Adam, that sin entered into the world because he sinned, and therefore also death came. Sin and all the effects of that, the results, the consequences of sin, ultimately ending with death. But there is one that's coming. Why is he coming? Well, we'll see this in a moment. Look now to verse 15. But not as the transgression, thus also the gift. Now, let me say that if you're following along in, in most good translations, they will do something. They will add a lot of words, some if you're looking, for example, at the King James or the, the New American Standard, you'll see that there's words added in italicize that's not there to help you understand it. And the reason for this is that the Greek is a little bit choppy, but when you understand Greek, it is also very specific. So look again at our text. It says, but not as the transgression, thus also the gift. Now, some will put free gift, and it is a free gift, but it's simply the word gift. Second part of verse 15. For by one man's transgression, who is that? We already know, Adam. For by one man's transgression, what was the outcome? Many died. Now, that word many, remember, Paul has a Hebraic mindset. This word harbe in Hebrew can oftentimes mean not just many, but, but all. And in that same way, here in the Greek, they use that word meaning many, but the implication can be simply all. So look again, by the transgression of one, many died. But then we see something. Remember, it says, not like the transgression is the gift. Why is that? It says, much more, meaning what we're going to find is the gift of God, that grace, is more powerful than transgression. It can compensate and defeat transgression. 
So that's why it says much more the grace of God and the gift. And this gift is found in grace, it says, by one man. Who is this one? Messiah Yeshua. And it says, for the many, meaning all those who receive it, that grace is going to abound, meaning this. It is going to overcome. It is superior. That is this. The grace of God is more powerful, and it can overcome all the negative effects, the unrighteous consequences of that transgression, that sin. Now, I hope you see something. When we're looking at this passage of Scripture, we see that by one man, sin and death entered into the world. One man. He caused all of that, sin and death. Therefore, one man similarly can be the solution. And that's what Paul is inspired to write down here. One man brought about death, brought about destruction, brought about the wrath of God. But there's another man in his likeness, meaning Messiah, although he was fully God and is fully God. Nothing changed. But he left heaven. He took on human flesh and became fully man. He never ceased being fully God. And it's this one who is the Savior, the one and only Savior. Now look at verse, verse 16. It says here, And not as through the sin of one, meaning not as in the likeness that by one man's sin, the gift. Again, he's wanting to emphasize something. In the same way that grace is superior to the transgression, we're going to see that this gift of God is also unique. It's superior. It is more powerful. It brings about a healing, a reconciliation, and a restoration of what sin brought about into the world. So look again, verse 16, it says, and not as through the sin of one, the gift. For on one hand, it says, the judgment by one, what was that? Adam. By his sin, through him, judgment came. Judgment came by one. And what did that judgment bring about ultimately? For condemnation. So sin brings judgment which condemns us eternally if there's no action taken by God. But praise him there is. Middle of verse 16. But the gift, it says, by many transgressions. Even though there's many transgressions, the gift is superior. And what does it do? It produces something very different. It says, for righteousness. So even though through that one man came about the transgressions of many, the gift of God through the grace of God is different. It is more superior. It is better. It has a very different outcome whereby sin brought about judgment condemnation and death the gift of god in the grace of god is different because it produces even though the sins were abundant there's much transgression but this gift of god produces notice what it says for righteousness now we need to remember that the term justification 
and righteousness comes from the same Greek word. It is because one is justified that, that he enters into or she enters into a new condition of being seen as righteous by God. So God does the work of justification, which makes one righteous. Look now to verse 17. For since by the transgression, that act of transgression of one, death ruled through one. That's the outcome. Through the transgression of one, death ruled by one over many. But it says here, how much more so for the ones, and here's he's talking about, there's a change, there's something better. And that is, look at what the scripture says, the abundance of grace for the ones. And that abundance of grace, grace produces that which is superior. And what's the outcome of that? Well, it tells us right here that the gift is for righteousness. And that gift of righteousness we are receiving. If we want, if we want to see the consequences of sin and death be removed from us. One man brought about all of this disaster. And one man, Messiah Yeshua. He can bring about a change, changing everything from transgression and condemnation to, as he says here, that he's giving through grace the gift of righteousness. And what do we have to do? As it says here, receiving in life, life that rules, that shall rule through who? Also through one, and that is Messiah Yeshua. So this is not difficult to perceive. One man brought about this, this awful outcome of sin and death into the world and all the consequences of sin, death, disease, war, sadness, all of these things. But similarly, through the righteous act of one man, Messiah Yeshua, all that can be changed. Now, that doesn't mean that there's going to be an end of sin and death in this world, but there's going to be a restoration. And the perfect effects of the gift of God through the grace of God, through the work of Messiah, is going to be experienced forever. Where? In the kingdom of God. And that's why he says, receiving, receiving this by faith, in other words, in life, that should reign, that life should reign in us. And it all comes about through one. Who's this one? Messiah Yeshua. Now look at verse 18. Therefore, as by one man's transgression, to all men for condemnation. Now again, it's choppy, but this is what it literally says. Therefore, as through one man's transgression, that act of, of sin, it says, for all men was for condemnation. That's what happened. That's the outcome because of Adam's sin. We were heading for eternal condemnation. But it says here, thus also by one man righteous act. Who is that? It is Messiah Yeshua. Through his one righteous act, what happens? Well, through one man's righteous act, and we're talking about him going to the cross, for all men unto, 
righteousness. It speaks about justification that produces us to be in a new condition, no longer seen as a sinner condemned, but having been justified and being declared by God through Messiah's work, righteous. The righteousness of life. And the implication here is two things. That we're going to live righteously and that we're going to experience that righteousness of eternal life. This final state of eternity whereby we experience eternity in the kingdom of God, which is a righteous kingdom. So righteousness is our eternal future. Verse 19. For just as through one's disobedience, one man's disobedience, it says many. Now here again, this can be all. It's talking about uh, humanity, that they were, and it's literally laid down. They were set down. It speaks of a colloquium for a verdict. Because of one man's disobedience, we see that, that many, meaning humanity, were laid down. The verdict is that they are sinful ones, sinners. Thus also, by the obedience of one, one man's obedience, and we're speaking of his obedience to go to the cross, it says... They will be laid down, that is, there will be a verdict that the many, all those who believe, will be righteous. Now, what you see here over and over in this scripture is how the work of Messiah, this one's faithfulness, rooted in the grace of God, which is offered to us as a gift, and yes, a free gift, how that produces in our life righteousness and again i want to emphasize righteousness in two related but different expressions one is god the moment we believe we receive that grace we put our faith in the work of messiah that one and what he did on the cross his death burial and resurrection and we the moment we believe we are declared righteous forever nothing can change that we enter into a covenant that God has the responsibility of keeping, not us. But secondly, that second expression is this. As a recipient of that covenant, the Holy Spirit enters into our life, and he is going to lead us. He is the spirit of truth and the spirit of righteousness. He is going to cause us to embrace the truth of God. That's how he's going to grow and mature us. And that truth is going to produce righteous living, righteous behavior. Now, are we saved by righteous living? No. We are saved by God's gift. It is a free gift through his grace. But that gift is going to work in our life and move us in to the will of God and obedience to the purposes of God. And that's going to manifest itself as righteousness. That's what Paul is revealing here. So once again, we see that by the obedience of one man, that many are going to be to be laid down. That is, there's going to be a verdict, a declaration that in God's sight, that they are righteous ones. Verse, verse 20. But the law entered alongside, that's literally what it says, entered alongside. And what happened when the law came? It says, in order that the transgression should 
abound, meaning this, that we should understand how sinful we are. The law came not as an instrument of salvation. The law has a purpose, a glorious pur purpose. We'll see this when we get into chapter 7 of this book of Romans. The law defines what is right and therefore what is wrong. Righteous living and unrighteous living. And therefore, when we see God's standards, another way we can think of this, when we see God's expectation for his people, what we should do, what we ought not do, what does it do? That law tells me I'm a sinner. There's transgression in my life. There's disobedience. Just like this one Adam was disobedient, so too am I. And therefore, I'm heading for God's judgment and eternal condemnation. And therefore, I cry out to God, God, is there any way that I can be forgiven? If there's any way that, that I can be saved from my sinfulness? And the answer is, and again, praise Him, there is. Through that gospel message that focuses in on one man's work, just like one man's work, Adam, destroyed everything. One man's perfect work, Messiah, his obedience, and that's what we're talking about. It's not my obedience that saves me, but it's his obedience that saves me, his obedience to death, even death upon that tree, that cross. And therefore, through the obedience, it says here, of one man, we find that what was the outcome? Well, it says, great scripture, through the obedience of one man, we see that, that grace did what? Grace overflowed. Now, it's a word for abounded, but there's a prefix on it. And this is the word huper, which means exceeds over. So it was able to compensate and overcome any of this disobedience of the first man and the consequences of sin and condemnation. So look again. It says, but when law came alongside, the transgression did what? It abounded. But then he says, but where the sin abounds, grace surpasses. It is triumphant. Now look at our last verse, verse 21. All of this came about, why? In order that, it says here, that sin... Just as sin ruled in death, thus also grace shall rule. For what purpose? For righteousness. And it manifests itself through this eternal life. Eternal life is a kingdom life that describes righteousness. And all of this came about, this, this righteousness unto eternal life, through Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. So the gospel, it's not a mystery. It's not hard to understand. One man brought about death, and one man solved the problem. That man, Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And when you receive him by faith, acknowledging through the message of the Torah, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, there's transgression, but when you receive him, you can experience eternal forgiveness through that grace of God for eternal life and experience righteousness with God forever and ever.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. <laughs>